Welcome to the Consulting Edge podcast. If you want to find out how to turn your knowledge and expertise into a consulting business, find your edge and become a seven-figure consultantpreneur in the digital age from startup to scale up, then this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Masood Hassan, and every week I'll take you through practical content that you can use to turn what you know into a lifetime of multiple income streams, work less and grow faster smartly. These are methods that I actually use to do my own consulting work and how I built up my own consulting business over the last 25 years. For each episode, I'll create a custom action guide so you know exactly what steps to take to help you get results really fast. My ambition is to change the future of 1 million people to break out on their own and create new business value. 1 million independent consultants, 1 million stories, 1 million futures. So be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join me now for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in again. If you're listening to this right now, I hope you've had a really super week and that you're really well. I've had a really busy week this week. It's been phenomenal. Had a lot of inquiries come through around different opportunities. Been focused very much around my own consulting practice. And for some reason, the summer season sort of starts to drive in a lot of requests for coming in and and talking to clients around specific problems. And I think part of that is because people are planning to go on holiday and they want to be able to just get things in motion before they get off on holiday. They want to have something ready to go for when they get back. But yeah, it's been a super week. So I hope your week's been fantastic. In the last episode, I shared with you the critical three driving forces of a consultantpreneur. And I hope that was thought provoking for you. What I intend to do now is in the next three episodes, I'm going to cover off each of those driving forces and show you how you can make each one work for you. I'm going to keep it really short and sharp and to the point so that you can really get some maximum value out of the time that you have. So let's get cracking and get on to driving force one. And if you recall, driving force one was all around radical clarity. It's made up of three sub-elements, client clarity, the clarity of the problems those clients are trying to resolve and the pains that are being experienced by those prospects. And thirdly, the clarity of the power pitch based on the problems that you found. For those of you who are listening, you're probably already down the road where you've already got clients, you already understand which clients you're targeting, and you sort of know their problems. And so you've got a full portfolio of clients. But I'll go through the top 10 questions that I think you should be asking yourself just to amp up your business one level higher than where you are right now. I think it will give you some clarity to move forward with some really proactive planning and decision making that if you're doing in the next round of your planning for your business, it may be useful for you to go through those 10 questions, really think back and think, well, what does that really mean for my business? Let's crack on and really understand how you get radical clarity. Look, you've heard it time and time again. You need to know who your ideal client is. The problem is that most people never take the time to really get clear on that. They sort of create content and offers and sub offers and core offers without getting any real idea who they're actually trying to help. Because then they get frustrated, right? Because they're attracting the wrong people to their ecosystems. A question for you is, are you really clear who your ideal client is? Do you really know who you're targeting? And do you really know who the real buyers are going to be in the organizations that you're targeting? Remember, we're talking about B2B business here and not B2C. A client to me means really two things. The business that they're in, in other words, the industry segment that they're actually operating in. And secondly, the targeted individual in that business that you're trying to connect with. Now, I'm already assuming you already know what industry you're going to be playing in and the companies that you want to target. The B2B business world is saturated with tons of people who are trying to offer the same thing as you're offering, I suspect. It's more important than ever that you get clear about who your ideal client is because everything that you're going to create going forward 
is going to be based on this person or the type of business that you're targeting. And until you get that clarity, you're going to be throwing time and money down the drain. And you're going to end up at a point where you're actually going to reach no one. Look, I'm sure that if you go on Google, you'll find dozens of sites telling you about how to get client clarity. The issue is that the majority of them look at this from a direct consumer perspective. So let me put it this way. In B2B selling, you've got to sell to senior people within an organization. And that's a different game altogether. Predominantly, what we're talking about is who are you going to be able to have a conversation with where this leads into a project or a proposal of some kind? Unlike B2C businesses, you're selling your expertise and not an off-the-shelf product. But predominantly, you'll still have to be able to sell that expertise in somehow. You're also selling expensive, customized, high-touch consulting services. When you come to B2B consulting, the executives and the senior people that you meet in an organization, they want to see a return on their investment. What you're also selling requires a lot more trust. Now, you can't create a personalized message until you understand the ideal client. So therefore, it's really important, right, to be able to make sure that any person you're reaching out to should feel, wow, this person's really speaking directly to me and actually really understands my needs and pains. And if it doesn't feel that way, you're not going to get the pull that you're looking for. So let's work through how you'll achieve that. I'm going to ask you to think about combining your target and your problem together. The two things are really interlinked. I wonder how many of you listening right now that are either consultants or wanting to be consultants who are looking for new clients today, but were a sort of internal consultants yesterday, or clients at the time who were looking for consultants. Now, there's some really basic things that you should be thinking through. Being clear about the client and the problem involves clarifying five things. Number one, it's what I call the industry vertical and the functional horizontal. Now, the industry vertical could be the sector that you're targeting. It could be manufacturing, it could be pharmaceuticals, it could be retail, it could be legal, it could be services of dentistry, finance, law. There's a whole number of different industry verticals that you could be looking at. Now, I'm assuming you've already worked that out. Now, secondly, in that industry sector, there's a functional horizontal line that cuts across the business. Now, those functional areas could be anything, finance, operational, marketing, sales, logistics, but you've got to be able to understand which functional line actually relates to the type of consulting that you're targeting. Number two, you've got to think about the company size, number of people, the type of revenue. Now, really getting focused on that is really important because it will drive two things, the ability to spend in consulting and the size of the problem that typically might exist in a really large organization or even a smaller organization. Number three, the revenue size isn't necessarily that important. It gives you an indication of the type of business that you're dealing with, but a really good indicator is how profitable are they. Companies that are making great profits will look for opportunities where they can be future-ready and get future-ready solutions for problems that they think and anticipate might be coming through. Organizations with poor profitability will also tell you something about them, their overall performance, and some of the challenges that they might be facing as a result that's driving that poor profitability. Number four, find out what their consulting spend is. Look, there's a number of ways of doing that. You can directly ask the question if you know the people involved in those organizations, or you can actually go on to some of the annual reports if they're publicly listed to find out where they're spending their money on what they call outside services or external services. Typically, an organization will put that into the budget somewhere, or actually they may not have any budget at all, which gives you another indicator of whether that organization is worthwhile targeting or not. Number five is all about who you're going to be targeting in the organization. And I say target deliberately. You could take a shotgun approach and approach everybody within that organization and say, look, hey, I'm here. 
I can provide this service for you and I can get these sort of results. And by the way, you should be consulting with me. Or you become a targeted assassin and you actually aim and look at people that are going to be needing your services and where you can go and resolve their specific pain points. When you're looking to find people in the organization, there's multiple levels. There's what I call an economic buyer. That's the person that's actually going to be signing off any specific work that you're likely to be doing with that organization. And then there's a second layer of people. Those are what I call influencers. And those are people that are actually going to help shape the solution and influence the decision makers. Those are really important people. Those folks are going to be the guys that are actually going to be accepting what you're offering up as your solution to a problem. And if they're not bought in, then the decision makers won't be bought in. So trying to create what I call an influencer map and knowing where they fit in, in terms of their influence in the organization, both in terms of their commercial influence, their decision influence, and also their solution influence is going to be something that you need to do a little bit of research on when you actually start to target those companies. And once you're clear about the industry and the company and potentially who you're going to target, you start to need to think through both the problems that they're facing in that business and secondly, the results they want to see by solving those problems. You also need to be able to frame the problem so that it's meaningful and relevant to your ideal client. The more clear and specific you get to those details, the easier it will be for you to create a list of the ideal clients and then be able to reach out to them. Just think about when you were in an industry or when you were working in that environment or where you had a project where you actually understood what was happening in that organization. Then think about what those problems might be. If I was to ask you to write down the top 10 problems that you think your industry sector has and specifically what you think those clients' problems are, I'm pretty sure you could write that down fairly, fairly quickly. Now match that against your expertise and your capabilities and your skill set. Now, if you've got that list, Start to highlight those problems where you think you've got an approach and a methodology that can help them. But also think about the points of differentiation and where they could be and matter to the target clients that you're going for. Look, the advantage of this approach is that you can sort of identify your best potential prospects and your discussion about their problems and where you're focused on them. Okay, you're probably at a point now where you know who to engage with. You've got a short list of topics that are important to your prospects and you've identified potential discussion points that are hopefully going to help solve those problems for them. So earlier on, I just mentioned something called framing the problem, and I want to provide a very simple tool to frame problems. It allows you to communicate exactly what the problem statement's going to be, but at the same time, allow you to put together a pitch that you can actually go forward to have a discussion with a client with. The best part of this is that you can actually start using it quickly and easily, and you can implement it very, very quickly right now. There are four things in the tool set. It's what I call situation, complication, resolution, and result. Well, situation is about framing of the important recent context the business already knows and accepts as a fact. So what's the current situation right now in that business? Complication is the reason the situation requires action. And resolution is the action required to solve the problem or capture the opportunity. Now, your core offerings and your sort of product ecosystem that we spoke about in episode three will actually start to help you position what sort of conversations you could possibly have in order to come up with some sort of view on what the resolution could be. And it also positions your offering in front of the prospect to get their attention. The fourth element in the framing of the problem toolset is the result. What's the outcome that is likely to be achieved? Let's just recap. Situation, complication, resolution, and result. Now, if you look down your list of problems that you think those organizations have, that you've just identified earlier on. 
Then think about each of those problems in that context. What's the situation? What's the complication? What's the potential resolution? And what's the potential result that you think you can get for the client? If you start to frame the problems in that context, this starts to become your crafted message. It's the message that you can then either transfer into an email or a conversation or onto social media, but your messaging becomes crystal clear because it's actually addressing the issues that are relevant to the client. And you can start to build all of your messaging around that. It's crafted because it exactly addresses the pain point directly to the person that needs it, and it becomes your power pitch. So when you're putting that together, your power pitch then starts to formulate into a couple of sentences or two, three sentences. You need the problem statement to get to the power pitch. And it goes something like this. I help who? Let's identify who that is. Who do you serve to solve what problem, the problem you're solving for them so that they can see what results. So what's the result that you're actually going to create for them? Why should you choose me? Reason. So that formula is so effective because it covers everything that your target needs to know before they're even willing to engage with you. So try that out. Frame the problem that you're looking at and then write out your power pitch statement in that format. Now, when you start to reach out to your clients, they'll see your power pitch and they'll be more receptive to it. A clear, specific power pitch opens up the door for further conversations. Look, clarity will help you identify a challenge your ideal client currently faces. It's what we call the gap and show you how you can help bridge that gap from their problem to a solution that you can provide. Added to that, you need to work out a route map of influence. How do you get to a point where you can have a conversation with the most senior person in that organization and get to the commercial buyer? Well, we'll cover that off in another episode. But for now, let's just start working on getting clear about the targets, the problems, and the pitch. Now, that's okay for people who may be just starting out. And you may already be at a point where you've already identified your clients. You know exactly what your problems are. And you know what to solve, you know what the solution should be, and you're reaching out to the right people within an organization. Now, what's next for you? Now, I did say at the beginning of this episode that I'll go through the top 10 questions that you should be asking if you're looking to proactively plan forward and get decisions on which direction you should be going on growing your business even further. Now, here are some of the questions that I would say you need to ask. How many new clients did you secure this year? Number two, how did you acquire those clients? Was it marketing referrals? Was it shows? Was it a case of webinars? Did you go through network meetings? Did you just do it off the internet? Did you go on LinkedIn? How did you actually acquire those clients and how did that work? Number three, what services did you sell them and were they effective? Did they get the result? Number four, who was the key decision maker and who else was influencing those decisions? Number five, what's the comparison of the client sales you've had in the past two years? Number six, how many of those increased or decreased and do you know the reasons why? Number seven, have you ranked your clients by sales? Do you know where the revenue is really coming in? Do you know what sector that's driving that revenue? Do you specifically know what offering is actually working well for you and what's actually driving the majority of the revenue for you? Number eight, what's the sort of average size of client that you've got? What's the average size of proposal that you've got? What sort of clients are below that current average client size that you're looking for? And was that originally targeted when you first started to set out? Number nine, what level of time are you spending? actually doing business development work. In other words, what's your return on time invested? You can spend a lot of time on business development, but knowing exactly where the effort should be placed is actually quite significant in terms of really understanding where your focus should be as you move forward. And number 10, when you look at your top 10 clients, are there any similarities? Are there common things that you can actually cut across from one client to another? And are there any results that you can actually demonstrate to other clients as a result of the approach you've taken with someone else? 
So I'm hoping those top 10 questions start to provoke some thinking about your next phase of planning for when you start to look at the client base. We're done for episode four. I said it will be short, sharp, to the point. I hope that's helped and it's been useful for you. In episode five, I'll cover the area of mastering leverage. In the meantime, think about those three areas of getting client clarity, understanding their problems, use the problem framing tool that I just shared with you, and start to put your power pitch together in the format that I just described. It's really easy to think you've got it all covered, but maybe a refresh and maybe a review of what you've done may not be a bad idea. Until next time, we'll speak soon. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm truly blessed. I hope that you managed to get some real value and insight from this week's show. Don't forget, you can sign up and download each action guide for free or email me directly on masood at theconsultingedge.co if you want to connect. Hey, I'd love to hear about your story and also to let me know what you'd like to listen to on any of the future series of the podcast. Until then, here's to your continued success to find your consulting edge, become a consultantpreneur, and be part of the One Million Futures.